Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Leon Fontaine. Leon is senior pastor of Springs Church with locations across Canada. He's also been Miracle Channel's CEO since 2010. Leon's teaching will help you develop your own personal relationship with Jesus and walk in his promises. You can watch his program, Leon Fontaine, The Spirit Contemporary Life, weekdays on Miracle Channel. And now, Leon Fontaine will teach on how important it is to love yourself. He will describe how to avoid conveying the issues that stem from a lack of self-worth onto those around you. Let's dive into the message. In James chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, If indeed you really fulfill the royal law accordance, in accordance with the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. It says, you'll do well. Most of the problems you experience in your relationships uh, are not about your spouse. They're in you. And you simply uh, put them on them. And so when we look at the Word of God, now when I use the word love, we got to describe love, the agape love of God, agapeo. It's, it literally is talking about valuing someone. Because we use the word love so loosely. I love dill pickles. I love motorbikes. I love Jesus. And I love my wife. And, and I love you. And, and love, love. What do you mean by love? The word there means to value. And so you need to value yourself. You know, the religion, I don't know where it went wrong in Christianity, but we begin somewhere and back in, I mean, it's hundreds of years ago, if not thousands or so, but people begin to look and, and feel like we've got to beat people up with the Bible, slap them silly, knock them off their seat, make them feel shame, make them feel disgusted with themselves. And, and, and we do this in a way, we think we're helping. And yet that's not the way Jesus did it. Jesus would even catch people uh, in sin, or he would be there when they were caught in sin. And his love and his grace towards them. Now, he would tell them, go and sin no more, because worse things can happen, dude. Like, you know, but we've got to understand the value that God has for us. And only then will we truly value ourselves. In your marriage, if you are struggling and if you look at your spouse and you've got a list of things they don't do for you that you wish they would, if you've got questions going on on the inside of you like, if only they would do this, I would feel more loved, or if I could just rise to the top of my business and my career where people would recognize who I am, I would just feel more complete. Uh, You know, or the famous movie where the girl looks at her boyfriend and she goes, you complete me. That guy's in for one hell of a ride because he doesn't complete her. And as she looks to him, 
to complete her. She's going to find one of the most unhappy lives. People are living such unhappy lives today because they don't understand Jesus. They don't understand the cross. And as Christians, we don't. And, and that's why I'm, today I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to Christians. And I want you to understand something, that you will never have a better marriage than how you value yourself. You will never have better friendships than how you value yourself. And because you'll always look to them to make you feel valuable, to make you feel honored, loved, significant. And when you put this burden on others, they are going to let you down. They're going to let you down. And you'll never know true self-worth. Now, I could come down and, and just kind of manipulate people on the front row and say, you... I want you to tell me you love me. Come on, come on, come on, tell me, tell me. Okay, Leon, I, I love you. Thank you, thank you very much. You, I want you to tell me I'm fantastic. Tell me, come on, come on, come on, tell me. You're fantastic. Now, it might make my little ego feel better for a while, but deep at the center of my being, the Bible calls it the heart. Psychologists call it subconscious. Below your conscious thinking level, my heart knows that you didn't say it because you mean it. You said it because I manipulated you. And this world is continually trying to meet this inner need to feel significant, to feel loved, to feel valuable, to feel a sense of self-worth. And they stopped looking to Christianity because they'd go to church and Christianity would beat them up worse and tell them you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you're going to hell. And they would use certain verses. We understand that you can't have your own righteousness, but the way it was presented made people walking out feeling worse than they already felt. The smart ones quit going. I don't need to feel bad all week and then go to church and feel worse. Not only do I feel bad about myself, but God feels bad about me. Now, where do I go from here? Now, I, I want to tell you that's a lie, and it's one of the worst lies that has ever hit Christianity. You see, after giving Jesus your life and understanding the cross his burial, his resurrection, being seated at the right hand of the Father. This incredible, after accepting Christ as your Savior, the single most important thing that's gonna, that you're going to find in the new covenant is self-worth and who you are. It, when you understand that righteousness is a gift, that his grace is a gift to you, when you understand how valuable you are, how special you are to God, it's going to change the way you deal with your life. In John chapter 8 and verse 44 and 45. You can write it down. I'm going to just talk a little bit about it. It says that Satan is the father of lies. Now, when it says the father of lies, it means that every lie that is spawned on this planet will find its basis in demonic things, in Satan. He's the father of lies. He is what has produced the lies. And all of the lies will always attack the self-worth of who you are, who you were created to be. And if he can make you feel bad about yourself, you will never rise to the place that God has called you. You'll never use the gifts, the abilities that are within you as you just continually walk in shame and you continually walk in how, how, how dumb you are and how not valuable you are. And I'd hear preachers when I was a young man, I remember going to conference would be preaching up this incredible message, passionate. They'd spit for three rows as they reminded me how unworthy. We'd sing songs, unworthy. And, and now we understand that, okay? You cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot earn your way to God. But this bit about you are just scum, you are nothing, it's a shock. God noticed you. That's not Bible. 
Let me read you Psalms chapter 8 as, as the psalmist, David, struggles with this thought about why me? Who am I? Why do you even notice me? Listen to this. He's, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory on or above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength because of your foes that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. When I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained and established, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of earth-born man that you care for him. You know, when you watch some of these movies on space and you see how many years they have to travel just to get to the, you know, the next planet or star, and you think the, that the galaxies go on for eternity, or maybe late at night when you're out of the city where you can see stars, and you begin to understand the cosmos, you understand, and you kind of just go, oh my Lord. I mean, this is one little planet going around one sun, and there are billions of more suns out there with planets going around them. What is man that you're mindful of him? Like, who am I? I'm this little speck, this little ant in the middle of nowhere, and there's seven billion of us. I mean, do you really think about me? And yet the Bible talks about the hairs of your head being numbered, that he's in love with you, watching everything about you. So here's what, the, here's what, he, here's what he goes on to say. He says, yet... You have made him but a little lower than God. Now, in your King James Bible and in some of the translations, it'll say a little lower than the angels. And the word there in the, uh, in the Hebrew is Elohim, which is literally the Godhead. But when they were translating, I think they could just struggle with They couldn't believe that God would say that mankind was made just a little lower than him. So they put the word angels in there because it can be used kind of like for heavenly beings. But it says, you've made... Man, a little lower than God, for, like, for our heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Okay, let's just stop right there. You've crowned him with glory, and we don't use words like glory. You know, you can use the words dignity and worth. If you look up a lot of the, so, if you work in the social uh, spectrum, if you go to a lot of social areas of working with people, they talk a lot about dignity and worth and conducting yourself in a way that brings dignity and worth to whoever you're working with, regardless of if they're alcoholics, regardless of if they're living on the streets. There's a dignity and a worth that needs to be brought to mankind. Even our social services understand that. But in this term of glory and honor, it says he is crowned. The word crown means you're a king. When the Bible taught, you know, people say, well, Leon, we're just sinners saved by grace. No, you're actually wrong. The Bible doesn't say to the sinners at Corinth. It doesn't say to the sinners at Galatia. It says to the saints. Now, a saint is not because you're behaviorally perfect. It's because of who you're born into. You know, my kids aren't called Fontaines because they always act like a Fontaine. They were just born there. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you are born again, you're born into the family of God. And what the psalmist is declaring here is that what is man that you are mindful of him? And then he goes, but whoa, you made us just a little bit lower than you. You crowned us with dignity and with worth. You've made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You've put all things under man's feet, all the sheep, the oxen, yes, the beasts of the field, beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord. 
Lord, oh Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the world. The psalmist is getting a little dose of self-worth going, whoa, how, how could you even be mindful of me? And then he begins by the Spirit of God to declare and prophesy who man is according to God. Not who man is according to some negative preacher. Not who man is according to what religion is. Almost every religion on the planet is going to make you suffer and try to earn your way into a God's good graces. Yet Jesus died on the cross and he took our sins and he died in our place so that we would begin to recognize. Now, here's an interesting thing. The devil's a liar. I mean, he's a father of lies. And he, but yet the Bible says Jesus has defeated him and stripped him of his power. But yet he's very powerful in this area. Listen to me closely. He's very powerful at making you believe lies. The next verse there says that Jesus brings truth, but Satan is the father of lies. He's the instigator of every lie that is holding you at bay. Every lie that makes you just you know, struggle in life comes from the enemy, and he will mess with your mind. The battlefield is the mind. If you don't renew your mind with the truths of God's word, you'll continually try, be trying to change yourself. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm not going to deal with it today. It'll be a part of this series. The most unhappy people I've ever met are the people who are trying so hard to change. <laughs> doesn't make sense. That is because... People don't understand God's way of bringing change. Isn't for you to try to become. I'm trying to become. No, it's for you to just know who you are. Nothing in the new covenant shows us mankind trying to become. Because deep inside, it's like me asking you to tell me you love me. When someone is going, I'm just trying so hard to become what I'm supposed to be, that, that you're, you're subtly telling yourself you're not. But the Bible says that you are. Why are you accepted, forgiven, loved? Why are you going to heaven? Why? Why? Because of Jesus. Not because you earned it. And so this thing called self-worth, this sense of significance, this sense of being loved, appreciated, knowing who you are, if you ever put it on anybody else, your life is going to begin to go down. I was preaching one day, and I remember being a January message. I was talking about laugh a number of years ago, and a gentleman walked down, really tough-looking guy, and just shook my hand. He said, I, I don't go to church, and when I do, I can't stand it. But I was totally just listening to every word you said. I'm not a believer, and I haven't made a decision like you talked about, but I just want you to know I really enjoy what you had to say, man. He turned around and walked off. So I said, love you, man. Ooh, mistake. He turned around and he got mad, puts his finger under my nose and says, don't you tell me you love me, you don't know me. That's hypocritical. He literally thought I was being a hypocrite for saying words that I didn't mean because I couldn't mean it if I didn't know him, which means I'd have to know him for him to earn my love. I didn't love him because of who he was. I loved him because of who I was and who Jesus was in me. And so I said, come here, come here. He come over mad. I said, you know, you have any children? Yeah. So when you're baby, you held the baby in your arms. I said, you didn't know who they were. You didn't know what they were going to do. Didn't know how they were going to turn out. Did you love them? Well, yeah. I said, exactly. We can love people who have never earned our love. In fact, babies do nothing to earn our love. They poop their pants. They pee their pants. You got to change them. They're the best birth control on the planet is a crying baby all night for a couple who are trying to have some kind of intimacy. I mean, you can't, you can't sleep. You got I mean, babies, come on. 
There's nothing about them that is earning the love, yet you would take a bullet for any little child in a second. Why? Because you've bestowed your love on them. You've chosen to love them. They are in your family, and you are in love. Well, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're in God's family. He's in love with you. And if you look outside of yourself for this sense of significance, this sense of value, this sense of love, you married couples, if you have ever put this on your spouse, it's the reason your marriage is struggling, because your wife will never meet your expectations that you need to feel the way you want to feel. Ladies, that man could never meet your expectations for you to sense the significance, the love, the value that you need. Never. So we've got to get it from an all-loving God. We've got to get our value, our significance, our sense of self-worth has to come from God. Then, of course, you can be loved by your spouse. Of course, you can reach out and, and have conversations about making your marriage better. But don't ever look at somebody to meet the deepest need of your identity, who you are, your self-worth, your value, to, this love that only God can give. When you do that, you're going to have a life of struggle. And it's never going to go up. It's always going to go down. What are your expectations on the people around you? Reminds me of that stupid story of a guy and a seagull. He's out outside on the beach, and a seagull flies by, does this massive poop right in the air, hits him square in the face, dripping all down his face. He's so upset. He's screaming at that seagull as it flies off. And he says, you come back here and you clean this up. This mess is your fault. You clean, I'm, I'm not touching it. You come back. And of course, the seagull flew away. He goes home to his wife and he's all upset and mad and tells her the story. This stupid eagle, the seagull that pooped on me, didn't come back and clean this mess up. And, and his wife's looking at him. He's got poop dripping down his face. She doesn't even want to sit close to him at the supper table. Then they go to bed that night and he's feeling a little fun. She's not. He stinks like seagull poop, and it's still on his face because he's waiting for the seagull to come back and clean up the mess it caused. Then he goes to work the next day, and he tells all the friends there, didn't have a shower because he didn't want to clean off the mess that the seagull caused. Seagull can come back and clean his mess up for Pete's sake. And so he got, no one wants to sit with him at coffee. Now he's blaming the seagull for the fact his wife won't touch him. He's blaming the seagull for the fact none of his buddies will have lunch with him. And then he go, wants to go out for supper with his friends and nobody wants him to take much. Because he stinks. He's got seagull poop all down his face. And his expectation is the seagull's going to come back and clean up this mess. I wonder what kind of expectations you put on people to feel good about yourself. I wonder what kind of expectations you have on your spouse your kids. How many parents, when they walk church hallways, you know, if their kids act up just a little bit, they're just freaking out because you make me look bad. Huge mistake. You don't look bad because of your kids acting up. You look bad expecting them to make you look good as though that's where you get your self-worth from. You okay? You, you with me on this so far? When you look to God's word, it is stunning in the New Testament as you look at all the verses that talk about how loved you are, how invested God is in you. And for our time is up, let me give you our last verse. 1 John 4, 16. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation and by experience. This is the Amplified, you can tell. And we believe, adhere to, and put faith in, and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues 
in Him. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Leon Fontaine. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.